Here's how my life works. Maybe yours does too. There's what I plan, and then there's what happens. Sound familiar? There's this thing that young Methodist pastors do. I did it when I was young, so I assume that other young Methodist pastors do as well. And it is this. Whenever we ride through the state, we're appointed by the bishop where we serve. So whenever we ride to our conference, I would play this game. I would wonder, will I ever be sent here to serve and to live? Julie and I were traveling within the bounds of the conference. This was years ago. We were going through this one town. I said to Julie, I hope we never get sent here. There are some 850 places in the bounds of this conference where Methodist pastors can be sent to serve. Guess where we were sent? There was another part of the conference that I had remarked to Julie that that area of the state I'm sure is fine, but it really just holds no interest to me. I hope we never get sent there. We were sent there. There's what we plan, and then there's what happens. Now, here's the thing. In both of those places where I did not want to go, we were blessed. Had we gone and been angry and pouted and sat in a corner and ate worms, we would have been miserable. Now, I have to confess that one of the places I spent about the first two years pouting over where I was sent. But finally... I said, Lord, you know, this is not the door that I would have chosen to step through, but it is the one you opened. And after that, I was blessed. I was then open to the blessings that God was trying to offer me, even in the midst of places that weren't in keeping with my plan. There's what we plan, and then there's what happens. Life just moves us to places. King David had a plan. He was given rest from fighting against all of his enemies, of which there wound up being many. In that time of rest, he had time to think. He thought this, I'm living in this fancy house made of cedar in a nice neighborhood with a HOA, a community pool, curbside trash pickup every Wednesday. But the presence of God is living in this tent. I'm living in this fancy house, and we got God camping out in this tent in a side yard. That's just not right, he thought. So he made a plan. I will build God a house, a temple. It's going to be amazing. It's, it's going to be grand. Part of that was to honor God, but I really believe that part of David's intent was to build a monument to his rule. Folks would see this stunning temple and be reminded for years to come that was built during David's reign. There's just been no other time like it. 
It was the prophet Nathan that brought King David a word from God. And the word was this, okay, David, I know your plan is to build me a house, but I don't want you to do that. I'm going to appoint your son, who wasn't even born at the time, I'm going to appoint your son who will rule after you to build your house, but instead here's my plan, David. I'm going to make of your lineage a dynasty, a reign that will never end. Of course, that did unfold some thousand years later through Jesus Christ. Here's the point. David's plans just got changed. God set aside David's plans for the plans that God had instead. Let me offer you this. If we are not going to allow ourselves to be at rest until all our plans work out, until it all unfolds like I want it to, it's going to be hard for us to live in joy. David could have become angry. Have you ever tried to give somebody a gift? Here he was offering God this gift of this beautiful, stunning temple, this house that God could dwell in. God's saying, no thank you. Having a gift we offer refused can be an insulting thing. David could have been angry and insulted and pouted over this. His plan just wasn't working out, but instead he just says, okay. David just goes with the flow, even though all his plans just got changed. Okay. You ever been in one of these lazy rivers? They have them at motels and and water parks round and about. The idea of the lazy river is this. It's this man-made river that goes in a circle about three feet deep. And so you sit in this inner tube, and in my case, it's good to wear water wings, and you get in the flow of this lazy river that's just (laughs) moving around, and you just sit there. And the flow of the water just moves around. For lazy people like me, it's wonderful. You don't have to do anything. It just moves you around. One of the great things about a lazy river is you can't get lost. It goes in a circle. You keep coming back around to where it is you started from. So there is no getting lost in a lazy river. You can't mess it up. The flow just takes you where you're supposed to be. You cannot mess it up. I remember once in a lazy river, I decided that I would get out of the inner tube in which I was sitting and walk against the flow. Here's what I learned really fast. That three feet of water that is moving not that fast, really, when you try to go against it, three feet of water pressing against you at, let's say, three miles an hour, is phenomenally strong. It got to be work really, really fast. But the relaxation and the peace happens when you just 
Go with the flow. The current of life doesn't take you in a nice defined circle. It does anything but that. The current of life, the flow of life just moves you all over to different places, to places that you had not planned for. It unfolds in unexpected ways. Some of the places to which it draws us are pleasant and some of them can be scary. It was in 1996 that Julie and I went to my 20th high school reunion. It's the only of my reunions that I've ever been to. When we stepped into the room, I looked around and I thought we were in the wrong place. The people in there were so much older than I remember. They were like 38. I mean, they had, something had happened. They had gotten old. I said to Julie, we're in the wrong place. These people are so much older than I remember them being. She looked at me and said, you will fit right in. Trust me. <laughs> There's something about that evening that stuck with me ever since 1996. And it was this. Many of the people that I connected with in that night that had been in my high school graduating class were not where they thought they would be. They had these plans when they were leaving high school, but between that day and the 20th reunion, 20 years of life had happened. And the flow of life had taken them to different places many of which they had not planned on. There was Kathy who had always wanted to go to school, to be a nurse. She started a family right after high school, and while she dearly loved being a wife and a mom, wouldn't trade that for anything, there was still that dream within her, going to school. Maybe one day. I'd always planned to be a dentist and to stay right there in the Shalot to continue my dad's practice there. But then in my senior year of high school, this call to ministry came along and Shalot suddenly was not going to be home. And so here we are moving around North Carolina. There was Tina who at the reunion was still her bubbly, almost over-the-top Self, but it wouldn't take long before life would take some hard turns for her and to this day she now hardly ever leaves the house. Didn't see that coming. There was Jeff and Eddie who would both live in Shalot forever. They were never going to leave. Shalot ever and always would be their home. By then, Eddie was living in D.C., Jeff in Atlanta. Jeff had married a young lady from California. She had property out there, so their plan was eventually to retire over on the West Coast. That's a long way from the shalot that he said he'd never leave. There were Milton and Tommy 
Both of them, when they got out of high school, were going to be on the very first train out of town. Don't get in their way. Shalot would be a distant memory before the ink on their high school diploma was dry. Tommy had spent a few years away and was back. Milton never left. Now, many of them are richly blessed wherever life had taken them, according to their, their own words. But yet, life had taken them to places that they didn't see coming. There was what they planned, and then there was what happened. We can either fight against where life takes us. No, this isn't what I planned. It's not going to work like this, and I'm going to fight against this with everything I have. Or we can go with the flow, trusting that God has us wherever we are. Charles Swindoll says something that actually he says many things I like, but this would be near the top of my list. He says that life is only 10% about what happens to us and 90% about how we respond to what happens to us. If I can only be okay when it's all working according to my plan, when I get what I want, when it unfolds like I want, when the people around me act like I want, when they think like I want, then I will rarely be okay. If that's my standard for being okay, I'll rarely know joy. There is an approach to life that our Quaker sisters and brothers put forward as one of their main teachings. They recommend an approach to life that is found in this phrase that is theirs. And the phrase goes like this, proceed as the way opens. I'll say that again. Proceed as the way opens. To help explain this approach to life, Philip Gully uses a story. He was restoring an old farmhouse when he discovered this underground spring that was slowly, slowly bubbling up, leaking into the basement of this house. Well, they had to get the water out. Philip, by his own admission, loves making plans, and he's this amateur fix-it kind of guy. He loves doing that. So he had these wonderful visions of pipes and electric wires and drains and sump pumps and, and all these kind of... He was going to build this engineering marvel right in his basement. He had a plan. He couldn't wait to get started on it. And then Tim, his plumber, messed it all up by suggesting a far simpler plan. And Tim, the plumber, said, how about if we just pour four inches of concrete on the floor and just leave a channel around the edges where the floor and the wall would otherwise meet leave a channel for the water to flow to the drain. Because, he said, water always takes the path of least resistance. 
We'll just let gravity do the work. I can learn something from water. When it meets resistance, doesn't fight it, it seeks another path that patiently persists until the way opens. Philip Gully goes on with these words. So often we try to force our way through life, determined to do this thing or that thing, believing it to be the right path, but uncertain about how to proceed. In our passion, we reach our goal. We sometimes act rashly, giving little thought to the consequences. We don't wait for the way to open. We often do not seek the guidance that might be helpful or pause to listen to the voice of God within us. We don't sometimes listen to others or to our best instincts. Then because the way doesn't open up soon enough to suit us, we press our way forward, acting hastily before the, all the pieces are in place to ensure a good outcome. This phrase, he says, proceed as the way opens, is a reminder that life has a rhythm, a cadence, a flow. Proceeding as the way opens is not a call to be passive, but to be patient. Sometimes the way that opens takes us to places that we hadn't planned on at all. Sometimes the doors that open are not the ones we would have chosen. This is not how I planned it. That's the moment that we have to decide how to respond. We can either refuse to be at rest until it works out like I want. And that puts us fighting against the stream of life, and it is tiring. Or we can go with the flow, trusting that God has us wherever we are. Trusting that he is bigger than what I can see. That opens our eyes to see God's blessings around us. Even when I'm in places that I had never planned to be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, all God's people together said, Amen. Amen.